0: Good afternoon, everyone. Elijah is introduced in First Kings with very little background information. We're told in First Kings seventeen, verse one, Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead. This very slim background is all we're told of Elijah as he is introduced. The region of Gilead, east of the Jordan River, had been divided into areas allotted to the tribes of Manasseh and Gad. Tishba may have been a small, uh, may have been a town, I should say, in the area allotted to Gad, or it may have been some other reason that he was called a Tishbite. As far as I know, the town hasn't really been found although you can find a reference to it in Adam Clark's commentary. It's interesting that in most cases, the Bible gives us very little personal information about the prophets, including one as significant as Elijah, whom some have called the greatest of prophets. Of course, that opinion, whether Elijah would be the greatest of prophets or not is subject to dispute. But the focus of the book of Kings is not on exalting the status of prophets or of kings, but on how Israel and her kings often failed in being faithful to the covenant relationship with God and what that meant for them in terms of how God dealt with them. The name Elijah is a combination word combining titles or names for God Specifically, El and Yahweh. Elijah means Yahweh is God. Or since Yahweh essentially means eternal or the eternal one, you could say it means the eternal is God. Identifying the covenant God of Israel, Yahweh, or the eternal as the true God. Now, I might mention that some sources claim the meaning of Elijah is my God is the Lord, or Yahweh. But the actual meaning is Yahweh is God, as we find it defined in Brown, Driver, and Briggs, Hebrew and English lexicon, also the lexicon in the Strong's concordance and so forth. And also it this name Elijah fits in with what Elijah's mission was. In today's sermon, I want to discuss the work of Elijah. And as I said, in a sense, his name defines his mission to affirm the identity of the true God as opposed to false gods. When Elijah came on the scene, the kings of Israel had led the people into idolatry Israel had failed to live up to the terms of its covenant relationship with Yahweh, who had led them out of slavery and established them in the land they had inherited due due to the promise of God to Abraham concerning his descendants. When Elijah appears in the narrative, Ahab and Jezebel, two of the most wicked of all the rulers of Israel, were in power. They had sought to destroy the worship of Yahweh from the land of Israel. They had killed many of the prophets and worshipers of Yahweh. We read in 1 Kings 16, beginning in verse 30, 1 Kings 16 and verse 30, it says, Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Elijah confronted Ahab and told him in 1 Kings 17, beginning with verse 1, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Subsequently, God told Elijah, beginning with verse 3 of 1 Kings 17, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Kareth, which flows into the Jordan. It will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Kareth, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then God told Elijah to move. Verse 9 of First Kings 17, God said to Elijah, Arise, go to Zarephath, which, is, which belongs to Sidon. Zarephath was a little town about halfway between Sidon and Tyre on the coast of Phoenicia. And so God told Elijah to go to Zarephath and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. And bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. Sidon was and still is a city in Phoenicia north of Israel along the coast. Jesus pointed out hundreds of years later in Luke 4 beginning with verse 24 he said assuredly I say to you no prophet is accepted in his own country but I tell you truly many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months and there was a great famine throughout all the land but to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow so Elijah fled from Israel uh, under God's instructions in accordance with his instructions and went to the region of Sidon because not only the king and queen of Israel, but most of the people of Israel were hostile to Elijah during the time that he served as prophet. The narrative continues in 1 Kings 17 and verse 17. 1 Kings 17, verse 17, Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick, and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her, her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. So the son had died and Elijah carried him up to this room where he was staying in the house. And then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray Let this child's soul, or it could be translated life or breath as it is in some translations. Let this child's life come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul or the life or the breath of the child came back to him and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives Then the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. The narrative continues in 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning with verse 1, it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab and there was a severe famine in Samaria. And Ahab had called Obadiah who was in charge of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly for so it was while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them, 50 to a cave and had fed them with bread and water. And Ahab had said to Obadiah, go into the land to all the springs of water and to all the brooks. Perhaps we may find grass to keep the horses and mules alive so that we will not have to kill any livestock. So they divided the land between them to explore it. Ahab went by one way by himself and Obadiah went another way by himself. Now as Obadiah was on his way, suddenly Elijah met him. And he recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is that you, my Lord Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go tell your master Elijah is here. So he said, How have I sinned that you are delivering your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. And when they said he is not here, He took an oath from the kingdom or nation that they could not find you. And now you say, go tell your master, Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from you, that the spirit of the Lord will carry you to to a place I do not know. So when I go and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Was it not reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid 100 men of the Lord's prophets, 50 to a cave, and fed them with bread and water? And now you say, go tell your master Elijah is here. He will kill me. Then Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts live before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now therefore and send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Asherah was the consort of uh, Baal. And so there were 450 prophets of uh, Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, this female goddess. And so Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. So here were these prophets gathered on Mount Carmel along with many of the people of the land. And Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now, as Clark's commentary comments, Elijah was not the only prophet of God in the land at that time, but the meaning is that he was the only prophet present at this particular location. And there were, by contrast, 450 prophets of Baal. What that tells us also is that evidently the queen's prophets, the prophets of Asherah, the 400, were not at this assembly. Just the prophets of Baal showed up. But there were 450 of them. It goes on in verse 23 to say, Therefore let them give us two bulls, and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire. He is God. So all the people answered and said it is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal. Now notice what the, the, the uh, setup is here is. Elijah's purpose was to demonstrate who is the true God. Remember, Elijah's name means Yahweh is God. And he was going to show them who, in fact, is God by this demonstration. That was his purpose. So all the people answered and said, it's well spoken. Now, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many. Many. And call on the name of your God, and put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given to them, and they prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is meditating or he is busy. Or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Now in the temple service, the evening sacrifice was offered at sunset. At That's how it was to be originally later. It was changed to mid-afternoon, but originally it was uh, offered at sunset and that was the proper time for it to be offered. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel or Jacob, to him the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seers of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said do it a second time and they did it a second time and he said do it a third time and they did it a third time so the water ran all around the altar and he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Now notice how he was proposing to demonstrate that God is the Lord by this test between the false God, Baal, and the eternal God of Israel. And then in verse 38, the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when, the, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, or Yahweh, He is God. Yahweh, He is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal, do not let one of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon, and executed them there. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of, Mount, of Carmel, and he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to the servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. And it came to pass the seventh time, That he said, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, Go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Jezreel was a place where Ahab had built a, a, a palace, you might say, for himself. And in 1 Kings 19, beginning verse 1, we go on with the account, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. When he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. "'because the journey is too great for you.' "'So he arose and ate and drank, "'and he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights as far as Horeb, "'the mountain of God. "'And there he went into a cave "'and spent the night in that place, "'and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. "'He said to him, "'What are you doing here, Elijah?' "'So he said, "'I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, "'for the children of Israel "'have forsaken your covenant.' torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by at a great and strong wind, tore to the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake of fire, But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword." I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel, Maholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes The sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 into Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. So Elijah, at this point, thought that all of the other prophets and people loyal to Yahweh had been murdered but he was not correct. There were some left, 7,000, as God said, in Israel who had not bowed the knee to Baal, which was a pretty sparse number, a very small percentage of the population, but still there were 7,000 of them. So he departed from there and found Elijah, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh, using the oxen's equipment, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Now later, Ahab and his wife Jezebel conspired in a plot to steal the property of a man named Naboth. The conspiracy resulted in the murder of Naboth. And then we read in 1 Kings 21, 1 Kings 21 verse 17, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, Dogs shall lick your blood, even yours.' So Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring calamity on you and I will take away your posterity and will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahiah because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. The dog shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord, because Jezebel his wife stirred him up. And he behaved very abominably in following idols according to all that the Amorites had done whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And so it was when Ahab heard these words that he tore his clothes and put a sackcloth on his body and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about in mourning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. And so this prophecy was fulfilled somewhat later in the history of Israel. After Ahab died in 2 Kings chapter 1, we read of how soldiers came to Elijah in a threatening manner, apparently to seize him at the behest of the king. And the soldiers came in a company of 50 and were consumed by fire from heaven as they approached Elijah. And another company was sent and they too were consumed by fire. And the third company came and begged for mercy. And Elijah agreed to go with them to meet the king where he told the king he would die because he had consulted a priest of a false god to be healed from an illness that he had come down with, which he did, he soon died. And then somewhat later, Elijah was removed to a different location on the earth by angelic beings who appeared as, it says, figuratively as chariots of fire and horses. And so he was, in a sense, retired. Through the prophet Elijah, God rebuked the leaders of Israel, and the people of the kingdom of Israel. Despite this, however, there was little in the way of genuine and lasting repentance, although it does appear that Ahab repented to at least some extent before his death, as we just read. But the work of Elijah, the affirmation of the covenant God of Israel, Yahweh, or the Eternal, or the Ever-Living One as the true God, was not finished with retirement, nor was it finished with his death. He was succeeded by Elisha, who continued the same work. Malachi prophesied in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 4, Malachi 4 and verse 4, remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Now remember that Elijah turned the hearts of the children to God. But that was very temporary and minimal in its effect. But as you read this prophecy, you might keep that in mind. Many have interpreted this prophecy in Malachi 4 in a literal sense, believing that Elijah himself would be sent before the coming of the Messiah. That's actually a common belief among the Jewish people, that Elijah himself ascended up to the third heaven, which is a false idea and can be easily proven to be so. But many Jews believe that Elijah is still living and that he will return before the coming of the Messiah. However, that is not what is meant by this prophecy in Malachi 4. What it means is that the work of Elijah would be continued by others in their time or times. And it would be especially so in connection with the coming of the Messiah. Later on, some thought that John the Baptist might be Elijah reincarnated, so to speak. In John 1 and verse 19, John 1 and verse 19, it says, This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And now they could see that John was a remarkable man. He was doing a remarkable work at the time, but So they wanted to know who he was. And many of the people regarded him as a prophet. And so they asked him, what then, are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. They asked him, are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you, that we may give an answer to those who sent us What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now notice here that John the Baptist emphatically told the Jews that he was not Elijah, but he was one crying out in the wilderness. Not only the physical wilderness, but the wilderness of confusion and darkness in the world makes straight the way of the Lord. Yet in a prophecy concerning John the Baptist, an angel told his father Zacharias, as we read in Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse 15, this is a prophecy that an angel spoke to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, concerning John the Baptist, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people for, prepared for the Lord. Now notice what the work of Elijah consists of. To turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John the Baptist was not Elijah, but he did work in the spirit and power of Elijah. In other words, it was an Elijah-like work. He was to do the work of turning the people to the worship of the true God, just as Elijah had sought to do. Jesus was asked by his disciples in Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17, they asked Jesus, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already. And they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Now they had murdered John the Baptist. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. Notice that Jesus referred to John the Baptist as, quote, Elijah. John the Baptist was not Elijah, but he had come in the spirit and power of Elijah. He had done the work of Elijah, so Jesus referred to him in that sense as Elijah, the one to fulfill the prophecy that Elijah would come first meaning someone would come doing the work of Elijah. Not everyone by any means was converted by the teaching of John the Baptist. Any more than everyone was converted as a result of Elijah's work in his day. But enough were converted by John's work and by that of Jesus Christ and the apostles to make a difference, a substantial difference. Even so, According to the prophecy of Malachi, the Jewish nation, for the most part, rejected Jesus Christ, their Messiah, and the land was cursed. And the people of the land were ejected from it and scattered across the face of the earth. The work of preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah is not over. There is yet work to be done in making ready a people prepared for the Lord. It's remarkable how many people have come along claiming to be Elijah. Or perhaps claiming that some other individual is Elijah. None of them is actually Elijah, however, because Elijah has long since been dead. However, in a sense, anyone proclaiming the true gospel is following in the footsteps of Elijah. It is not biblical, and in fact it is rank heresy to require anyone to confess that some particular person is the end-time Elijah as a condition for baptism, as some have done. There's nothing in the Bible to support that concept that you must in order to be baptized confess that some particular person is the end time Elijah it's never suggested in the Bible that our salvation hinges on believing that some particular person is the end time Elijah we must know who Jesus Christ is however and what he did and the promises he makes. Faith in Jesus Christ is essential for a valid baptism, but the Bible does not say nor remotely suggest that it is of paramount importance for us to know who specifically has or will fulfill the prophecy of the end time Elijah. James wrote in James chapter 5, James 5, verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now notice what James said in the context here of speaking of Elijah. Turning a sinner from the error of his way. Isn't this the work of Elijah turning sinners from the error of their ways? The final stages of the work of preparing the way for Christ's coming and restoring sinners as the Messianic age approaches will be done just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Bible speaks of two witnesses who will be active up to just before the time of Christ's second coming. The two witnesses are described as prophets. They will work miracles similar to those performed by Elijah. They will be proclaiming the gospel powerfully to the whole earth for three and a half years, and they will be hated by all nations. We read in Revelation 11, beginning in verse 3. Revelation 11 and verse 3, I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days, or three and a half prophetic years, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth, and if anyone wants to harm them, Fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit, will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. In other words, Jerusalem. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves and those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them make merry and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwelt on the earth now after the three and a half days the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them now this is a prophecy of things that haven't happened yet but as is often in the case of prophecy it's Stated in the past tense. So this has not happened yet. This is a prophecy for the future. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. Then they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. In the same hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell, and the earthquake 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe, is coming quickly. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give You thanks, O Lord, God Almighty, the One who is, and who was, and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, your wrath has come in the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, small and great and should destroy those who destroy the earth. The third woe, this, the coming of Jesus Christ will occur just right on the heels of the death of these two prophets and their subsequent resurrection, probably a physical resurrection, because there may be a short time interval between that and the second coming of Christ, but it won't be very long. Whatever your opinion might be of the answer to the question, who is the end-time Elijah? The work of Elijah is not yet finished.